This hour brought to you by GCNLife.com. Live younger, look younger, feel younger at GCNLife.com. Standard of Paranormal Radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So Apple has announced, as of a couple of weeks ago, that my 27-inch iMac is now vintage, which means it is so old, a little over five years old, so old that it is no longer officially supported. Okay? So I have this old, ancient computer. I also have a 2010 MacBook Pro that was vintage like three, four years ago. I don't know about me. I don't think they call me vintage. I think they call me old. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you know, the thing is, it's like from what you were telling me, you've got like a 5K screen, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful machine. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so so what if you're, you're using retro tech? I, I mean, I love retro tech. I've got Windows 98 machines still. Well, it runs all the current software and the current operating system called Big Sur. It also has a 4 gigahertz Intel i7 processor. But again, it's vintage because of the age. Before we get into vintage, let's look at a vintage case that we've talked about in the PowerCast a few times over the years. This brings to mind a book from Nick Redfern we talked about a few months ago. So here's where it comes in. Email from Nick. Coming next week, the new book from John Burroughs, one of the key figures in the Rendlesham Forest UFO event of December 1980. Now, he reviewed the book, which is entitled Weaponization of an Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, the Rendlesham Forest UAP incident 40 years later, and John Burroughs being the main author, and then someone named James Warrow. As many of our listeners know, John's been on the PowerCast a few times. He suffered some sort of injury or illness, he says, as a result of the encounter, and had to file a lawsuit or threaten to file a lawsuit in order to get covered by the military for the cost of his medical care which itself was kind of a a really big screw-up as far as I'm concerned. But what he's basically saying here is that, at least in part, secret experimentation took place at Rendlesham. Now, I get the impression from reading Nick's review, I don't have the book yet, but I get the impression from reading Nick's review, is that it's both some strange phenomenon and the military pulling a few tricks in terms of mind control. Of course, that itself confirms what Nick has written about the story. I wouldn't be entirely surprised to find out that that was the case, but, I mean, this story has also morphed and taken on almost a life of its own. It seemed like a fairly straightforward UFO encounter case when it first came out, and and then, you know, we've seen it evolve so How do we know what's really true and what's not true anymore when it comes to these things? 
Well, it also brings up the fact that if it happened there, if it happened elsewhere, what about Cash Landrum, where at least a couple of people suffered lifelong injuries like radiation burns? What was involved there? And the uniqueness of the encounter, does that indicate another government experiment of some kind? And Could be. And how do we trust anything that a government says to us if they were pulling these stunts? Now, remember, we're talking about 40 years ago. So, yes, there may be some people who are still around who were low-level bureaucrats back in 1980. But still, this points out that the UFO enigma, UAP enigma, whatever we wish to call it, is far, far more complicated. There may indeed be a phenomenon that could be extraterrestrial, but we also have the problems in terms of government involvement and mind control. Preston Dennett, we're glad to have you back on the show. Have you looked into any of this stuff? What's your perception? Oh, (laughs) there's all kinds of stuff going on. This field is so deceptively complicated. I came into it incredibly naive. And yeah, now I'm neck deep in it. And uh, (laughs) it's impossible to look at all of this stuff and not think there's something going on to, to, to it. Yeah. So then again here, does this put a negative view on possible ET visitation, or is it just one more thing going on? Uh, I'm, I overhaul, overall have a pretty positive view on the whole UFO situation in terms of the ETs and their agenda. Uh, I think I'm I'm more afraid of our government and what they're going to do and how they're handling this whole situation. And uh, as far as, you know, Rendlesham being mind control, I've heard that theory. I don't know that this is the the kind of case where it's just I'm not an expert on the Rendlesham by any means. But how many books are there out on this case now? 10, 20? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And it just grows and grows and grows and Larry Warren, he was one of the first guys, and then he got bashed pretty hard. Well, supposedly a lot of what he told his co-author was fake. Right. Um, (laughs) This is the sort of thing that I'm like, okay. Uh, I tend to believe some of his story is real. He's always said it was. I'm not going to say all of it because, you know. There's a lot of controversy surrounding his testimony. And the thing also Uh, to bear in mind is it's not uncommon to think that if somebody's inclined to lie in one place, they're going to lie in others. So how do you separate the lies? Right. But we know the Rendlesham case is real. I mean, because there's so many. We know it happened, sure. Uh, And a lot of people claim to have been a part of it. I remember I read the first book. I think it was by Dot Street and Brenda Butler. And I thought, wow, you know, this is a big case. I had no idea it was going to, you know, become this huge. Uh, I tend to think there is an ET element to it. I, I know that there are researchers out there who think the whole abduction phenomenon is my labs and mind control. No, not for a single second do I believe that. I think that does happen. I know people who have experienced that or apparently have, but by and large, I think it, most of the abduction phenomena is extraterrestrial. Uh, the Cash Landrum case, that's a tricky one. This thing was surrounded by helicopters traveling down a Texas highway. Uh, 
that I tend to think has strong military involvement, but very hard to say. I want to raise one thing here, and of course he's not here to tell us anymore. But remember, the late Stanton Friedman worked as a nuclear physicist before he got involved in being a UFO writer lecturer. And he told us at one time during one of our episodes that they were looking into nuclear propulsion systems. So let's extrapolate. Maybe Cash Landrum involved an attempt to have a nuclear propulsion system of an aircraft and it didn't work so well and radiation leaked and guess what happened? Now, I'm not going to say that's true, but it's not against the realm of possibility. Yeah, it's a reasonable extrapolation. I, I think Stanton didn't, well, he said he didn't know of any project like that. The, the one he was working on was real, but it was much larger and, and wasn't you know working. But that doesn't mean there couldn't have been one. But j- just before that, I was going to, to make the point, too, where you guys are talking about mind control. Well, it, if there's mind control involved in some of these sightings, The people may not believe that they're lying. They may actually believe the situation that they think they experienced actually happened. And it might even involve actual experiences with real aliens. And then later on, they had there was some mind control issues that came into play because they were part of the witnesses. Like recently, well, we just had the... um, anniversary of john lennon's death and i put a little post on the on the forum about that about uh, well you know here's my conspiracy theory and it turns out the cia had a file on lennon so did the fbi as a matter of fact yeah because i think they thought of him as a threat to the country we've got preston dennett with gene and randall you're in the podcast hey listeners I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Stock market have you nervous with all the massive fluctuations? With the hope for a COVID vaccine on the rise, shifting political landscape and the election at an end, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text MONEY to 411411 to find out how our technology can forecast market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Text MONEY to 411411 to get what you need to 
stay ahead of market trends and find explosive moves before they happen. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Stop guessing. Start predicting trends 72 hours in advance. Text MONEY to 411411 and experience Vantage Point for free. Text MONEY to 411411 so you can protect and grow your capital now. Don't wait. Text MONEY to 411411. Go to VantagePointSoftware.com for terms, conditions, and privacy policy. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware. Not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients. American made with American ingredients employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we're talking here about not just UFOs that have some kind of external source such as ET, but the U.S. government and possibly other governments around the world poking their fingers into the mess. Now, at the same time, I have said on this show a few times, I had this sneaking feeling that Barney and Betty Hill's abduction may have been some kind of government experiment. Remember, we're dealing here with 1961. We have a situation where we have an interracial couple at a time when that wasn't a normal thing. Today, it's a normal thing. But that wasn't a normal thing. I mean, an interracial couple gave us a president and a vice president. Of course, Barack Obama, white mother, black father, Kamala Harris having a black father and an Asian Indian mother. So the point here, this is common today. It wasn't common in 1961. And they were also living near a military base. 
They had a lot of people in the military who were their friends. We know a lot of funky things were going on related to UFOs. So as much as some people might want to say, okay, this was E.T., we've got the star map and all the other things, and I should mention I met Betty Hill a couple of times in the 70s, and she seemed like a really, really nice woman, and I'm sure she was being honest about what happened to her and her husband. At the same time, who's to know? This may be one, one example of the government doing funky things. Randall. It's quite possible. We know that the government's got to be involved in it in some way, shape, or form. And so there's there's a spectrum from them being completely not in some, some cases and some sightings to them being involved in some cases and some sightings where they track things on radar, they chase them with jets, and then there could very well be, and we seem to have evidence of this, that there are cases where there are no aliens involved in it. For example, when they had the skyhook balloons and the and the secret spy planes that they were being picked up and reported as UFOs by radar installations. Well, certainly the U-2. We did not admit there was a U-2 spycraft until Eisenhower did during his administration when Francis Gary Powers was captured by the Russians. Then he admitted it, which to me at the time, I was just a kid, but the impression was from the pundits and politicians was that he should not have admitted that. But here's the thing, too, and I'll bring this up with Preston. You investigated lots and lots of sightings. You've been following this for a lot of years. You've got up close and personal and talking to people. You do believe that at least some of these abductions are indeed real encounters with extraterrestrials. So how do we separate them? How do we know this is not the government rather than the extraterrestrial? How do we know? Yeah, it's a a real problem. Sometimes I think it's both. If you talk to Melinda Leslie, she's pretty well known in this field. Uh, I interviewed her, and she had an experience where she was presumably taken on board a craft and saw greys, but there was also a person in full military uniform watching the whole thing take place. And if you believe, you know, John Lear and his theory that we've made a deal with the greys and allowing them to abduct people in exchange for technology, and we get to observe some of these abductions, well, you can see that there's a bleed-through where there could be real abductions with military personnel on board, there could be completely fake abductions, and there could be abductions with no military involved at all. I personally think that's what we're dealing with. That sort of military theory rarely comes up. My labs, a number of people have told me that they have been fronted by military personnel who were interested in what happened to them. So it seems clear to me that our military, just judging from the whole conglomeration of cases where we've got jets chasing after UFOs and a military that seems to be very perplexed by what's going on and trying to cover it up, that no, most of this is not military. I think it would be a mistake to sort of lump this all as military or mind control. As far as the Betty and Barney Hill case, I've never seen any compelling evidence that would point towards that theory. I don't believe Betty ever mentioned anything like that. Based on what Betty Hill told me when I did have a chance to talk to her a couple of times, she believed it to be a real encounter with otherworldly beings, certainly. The thing I would wonder here is, 
the purpose of this kind of mind control. Now, we seem to have examples of things like this being done through the years. And there are theories that things we take for granted as UFO events may indeed have had other causes, secret weapons, mind control, certainly the ghost rockets from World War II. And after the book, The Rosetta Deception from James Carrion, the former director of MUFON, was that this was done to spook the Russians. Certainly Nick Redfern insists that Roswell was some kind of experiment having nothing to do with a phenomenon, but he still believes there was a phenomenon here. So we have these coexisting issues here where, one, the government is doing something, two, we have this outside force doing something. You have to wonder if they work together. Then again, wouldn't it be prudent or at least efficient for a government to make it seem as if something they're working on is a UFO because it's easily, therefore, disbelieved by a lot of people to cover up the truth that has nothing to do with UFOs. Preston? (laughs) I'm not an expert on government conspiracies, so it's hard for me to speak towards this, but I, again, am convinced that this is a real phenomenon that can be best explained as extraterrestrial. Uh, I've got so many cases involving, like a little 12-year-old paper boy from a small town in Texas had a missing time experience at like 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning. I very much doubt this is military picking on a little boy. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, like you said, what would be the reason for that? To convince people that uh, ETs are evil and abducting us against our will? Well, (laughs) you know, it's hard for me to believe. You would need an enormous amount of people to sort of conduct an abduction phenomenon, pulling the wool over our eyes and saying, this is ETs, when it's not. We just don't have the manpower for it. It's been going up for far too long. Uh, People's testimonies are very consistent. I think the theory which best fits the evidence, again, is extraterrestrial. It's logical. You know, if there are no extraterrestrials out there, where does that leave us? Completely unique in the center of the universe. You know, putting us on that pedestal has never worked historically speaking, uh, or not the center of the universe. There's a strong resistance to the idea of extraterrestrials, largely because there's been a lot of money spent towards this, a lot of time and energy from our own government and governments across the world covering this up. I think in general, though, it's pretty much admitted that there's probably life out there in the universe, even from people who don't believe in UFOs. And that we're just one of many planets that may have spawned life and have intelligent life. More to come with Preston, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with longevity. Teamgaday.com.
Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices at the Centers for Disease Control has added its approval to the emergency use authorization for Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine. The CDC committee voted Saturday to recommend the vaccine for use for people 16 years or older. With the FDA's approval Friday night, vaccines have already begun to be shipped across the country. However, some may be wary of the shot based on how quickly approval has come. Dr. Stephen Hahn, FDA commissioner, says the agency was able to quickly evaluate all the data surrounding the vaccine's safety. We applied our high standards of review in reviewing this product so that Americans can have trust and confidence that the vaccine meets FDA's rigorous standards for safety and effectiveness. And with this authorization, we know that our federal partners are already moving to distribute the first doses of the vaccine throughout the country. This is USA Radio News. President-elect Joe Biden has made his pick to run the Department of Veterans Affairs. Jeremy Scott has more from the USA Radio News Oregon Bureau. Biden has appointed Dennis McDonough as the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. He shares my belief that we have many obligations as a nation. We have only one truly sacred obligation, to prepare and equip our troops that we send into harm's way and then to care for them and their families when they return. McDonough was President Obama's chief of staff from 2013 to 2017. President-elect Biden said he played a key role in improving health care for veterans during the administration. From the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Jeremy Scott. And President Trump has added a federal holiday to the calendar this year. The executive order, signed Friday, makes Christmas Eve, Thursday, December 24th, a federal holiday, giving federal workers a fully paid day off. Traditionally, past presidents have offered federal workers a half day in the past. This is USA Radio News. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. That's Shop, S-H-O-P, Super, S-U-P-E-R, T-T-E-A, dot com. So the complete website is ShopSuperTea.com. Or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's ShopSuperTea.com at 818-984-6100. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now as we proceed with Preston Dennett, it appears, I'm divining this by psychic powers, that Randall has something to say. 
Well, yeah, I was thinking just prior to the break there that both you guys are making some really excellent points. And this is what I really love about the field of ufology as a whole, is that we can go into this core of the phenomena where there is something unquestionably alien taking place. Because Preston, like you say, what would be the point of having these random experiences with people who have no relevance to the military whatsoever, uh, you know, like young people or just anyone uh, you know, out in, on some lonely road in the middle of nowhere, completely unexpectedly, like you say, Gene, and something happens to them, they have this experience. So one would think that if it was planned by the military, they plan everything down to the T, you know, on a grid that this kind of an experience just doesn't fit that model. There's something going on. But then there's other ones that are, well, you know, they're around military bases and they're, they seem to involve some sort of planning that, that we could say, well, okay, well, that, that might make a little bit more sense. And then there's the way out there stuff, but it's all just fascinating to me. And Preston, you've got something else here that's really fascinating, really fun. Your new book, UFOs at the Drive-In, 100 True Cases of Close Encounters at Drive-In Theaters, cover art by Christine Kessara Dennett, published by Blue Giant Books Nonfiction. Tell us a bit about Christine Kessara Dennett. She is my sister-in-law, married my brother Mark from the very beginning, back 1988 or so. She started doing drawings for me based on eyewitness accounts, and uh, we've never looked back. She's done the cover for most of my books, illustrated several of them, and is still working now as a leading UFO artist. She lives up in Oregon. Yeah, she's amazing. I'm really blessed to have her in my life. Yeah, it's pretty cool. She's got her own website, I noticed, at kasara.org, and so I think uh, it's it's really only fair that she get a, uh, a mention in there, and uh, it, that's pretty cool stuff. What's your sister think, though, about the subject itself? Does she align with you about your impressions? For the most part. Um, she's a very spiritual person, so I think she probably takes a little bit more of a positive viewpoint than I might. I still have a problem with the fact that people are being basically kidnapped. And I don't think you can rationalize that kind of behavior. It's a crime pretty much in every country, I think. And that, for me, is a problem with how ETs behave. Uh, well, the thing I also wonder about, too, is whether governments are officially aware of it and what are they doing? Because, to me, kidnapping somebody is a crime. It's a felony. So whether it's done by ET or someone down the street, that weirdo down the street, it's still a crime. Right. So... This is an act of hostility unless the governments of Earth are allowing it. I don't care what motives are given. You know, they want to send us positive information about peace and brotherhood. But to do so, they break the law. Yeah, it's very interesting what's going on now because we have recent Pentagon disclosures and an actual first-hand admission that we have, quote, otherworldly or materials from otherworldly vehicles. And we know they know from the beginning that this was not military, that something alien is visiting our planet. And I think one of the top reasons that we don't have full-on disclosure is, in fact, the fact you know, that UFOs are coming down and taking people, and we can't stop them. Yeah, how, got, how, how are you supposed to stop you know, a technology that can float people out through, through walls? 
that are, you know, like, yeah, it, it's, you know, whatever it is, it seems to be quite a ways beyond us. And, and yet they're, they're not always harmful. In, in some cases, you know, they're, they are, but a lot of times they're just sort of more playful and enigmatic. And that's what seems to be taking place in quite a few of the cases that you document in your book, 102 Cases of Close Encounters at Drive-In Theaters. So what inspired you to write about UFOs at Drive-In Theaters? Because uh, I was shocked at what I found out. Uh, I had uncovered a case involving a drive-in theater encounter early on. A lady at my office described an encounter at Paramount Drive-In Theater. She was with her family in this classic saucer drop down comes right next to the screen and causes a complete panic she said people are running from their cars or to their cars dropping popcorn drinks and screeching out of the theater and uh, it was a big deal uh, really made a strong impression on her and her family and uh, i thought wow you know this is crazy i've never heard of a case like this and i didn't for years uh, but every now and then one would pop up I remember I was writing UFOs over Colorado, and that's when I had my aha moment. I ran into one, two, three cases in a row. And these are not just your typical flyby. I mean, these objects are targeting these theaters, clearly, coming down. It's, I mean, a long-lasting, low-level sighting. uh, And they put on a show. I mean, this is a crazy type of encounter. And I thought, okay, let's survey the literature. Let's see if this is a thing. And I... Took, you know, I had to dig deep into, you know, National UFO Reporting Center, Newfork, MUFON, APRO, and UFO News Clipping Service, and so on. I found 100 cases. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, no kidding. That That is really interesting. In, in its own, Well, of course, there's thousands of cases. So there's bound to be a few that, that are going to be in the same kind of place. Like, we have them over reservoirs and power lines, uh, farms, water towers. But people just, I don't think they just thought much about, well, drive-in theaters. You know, but but I can imagine that it would be quite a spectacle for this to take place. And and I'm assuming they they don't wait for the intermission, or do they? Or do (laughs) (laughs) do they take place during, you know, just at random times during these films? Or or do they always wait till the film is underway and everyone's in their car? Or... Yeah, I looked into that. I look. I mean, I really looked into this deep. Is it the movie? You know, where where are these theaters? What I look for all kinds of patterns, and the pattern I found in terms of when the encounter actually occurs uh, is kind of interesting. Actually, there were a few that occurred during the intermission, uh, which the witnesses thought was significant, but most occur pretty much right around the beginning of the movie, um, right when it starts, or sometimes. Right in the most dramatic scene, people are like, ah, oh, it's right in the middle, you know, right smack when the suspense was really high. These things drop down. And it's not just for a few minutes in most cases. Uh, it's longer than that. And uh, as I said, it, they put on a show. I think when I first realized that when I, was, when I ran across a case from George Fawcett, May 1963, at the Wellington Circle Twin in Medford, Massachusetts, when two glowing discs showed up. Usually they hover right over the screen or right next to it. In this case, they kind of went to the side next to the parking lot. And then two more discs showed up, scooted under the first two, followed by two more, and two more after that. 
So now we have a fleet, literally, of eight objects in two columns of four each. And once they had that formation, this is when they started putting on their, the show. For the next 45 minutes, these objects started playing kind of musical chairs, sort of rotating in and out of these columns. Uh, for a full 45 minutes. Well, well, okay, so back in those days, people had film cameras. Did anyone ever get any photos of these things? No, no. Most people apparently don't bring their cameras to drive-in theaters. Uh, there are some modern cases, and three or four cell phones are mentioned where they tried to take pictures, but in none were they successful. Uh, and one, because the objects were just didn't appear on the camera. And another, they pulled out the cell phone and... The thing darts away. Hey, we're going to break here. We've got Press and Dan had written a number of UFO-oriented books, including UFOs at the Drive-In, where strange flying objects appear in and around the drive-in theater, and they do funky things. I mean, like he says, they're possibly putting on a show. With Gene and Randall, you're in The Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com.
Today, many of us are paying attention to our health, and what we eat plays an important role. But so often, the water we drink is a mere afterthought when it should be a primary part of our daily nutrition. Real Water would like to change how you think about the water you drink and how it can play an important role in helping your body restore balance and reach its full potential. The key benefits of every bottle of Real Water are stabilized negative ions, balanced pH, detoxification, and it hydrates you like never before. And yes, it tastes great. Real Water is beyond alkalinity, and due to its proprietary process called E2 Technology, it's the only drinking water on the market that can maintain a stable negative ionization, which means real science in every bottle. Order your real water today and take advantage of special pricing for this audience only by calling 1-855-REALWTR or visiting buyrealwaternow.com. That's 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Order now, 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Extendivite 7 Herb Formulation is approved to help maintain cardiovascular health and help lower blood lipid levels in adults. Extendivite is made from hawthorn, garlic, valerian, cayenne, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, and milk thistle. The herbs at Extendivite have been chosen for their ability to help with overall health. Many people have reported improved energy and stamina in just a few months. If you think you could feel just a little bit better, then Extendivite may just be for you. Extendivite is an all-natural supplement. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So Preston Dennett, they're putting on a show. Why would they do that? And that, of course, raises the other question, too. Is it the physical objects, or are they sending projections, holographic images, of the things they want to give to us. It's almost like trying to entertain us or them. Yeah, I was hoping that maybe they would, there'd be a case where they shine down a beam of light and you know put on their own movie, uh, but that's not... Maybe that is their own movie. <laughs> no, these, I looked into the movies. It's no, These are just normal movies people are watching. The Simpsons, King Kong, Jurassic Park, Outlaw Joe. No, I'm Wales. saying what the UFOs do. I think they know what's going on here. That people are coming there for entertainment, and they're like, you want entertainment? You want a show? Watch this. I honestly think that's what their agenda is. It definitely involves wanting to be seen. There's no doubt in my mind this behavior is incredibly brazen, incredibly in-your-face. It's an obvious publicity stunt of some kind. And uh, as far as why they're doing it, I mean, I can only speculate. I think it's sort of their campaign to announce their their presence well yeah but why would they need to hang out around a drive-in theater to announce their presence they can do that a hell of a lot easier and certainly in a way that would get much more attention i don't think they want too much attention honestly i looked into sporting events i looked into music venues nothing like that there's a few cases don't get me wrong over you know baseball games and stuff but not like this this is unique and i think they've found 
the perfect size crowd, a couple of hundred people, and sort of slide under the radar a little bit. A lot of these cases did make local news, but it rarely moved beyond that. I found only one of these cases in any of my UFO books. And let me tell you, I've got like two or 300. This is mostly from UFO news clippings and uh, old archives from UFO centers. Yeah, drive-in theaters, they tend to be kind of like out on the outskirts or in some part of town where there's not a lot of activity going on in lights that are going to interfere with, with the film. So it, there's, it's got this little bit of an element of seclusion. And then it seems that there have been a number of cases in the past, too, and it still goes on today where people will shine lights up at UFOs and allegedly get some kind of response. Well, what's a film projector? It's a great big light projector. This, <laughs> you know, so maybe yeah, I wonder if they're thinking, you know, this is some kind of communication, mass communication that, you know, that they, that we're doing with our people. That we're shining these lights on this big screen and, and they they want to take part in it somehow. Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you look at a theater from up above, an aerial photo makes a very striking footprint. I mean, and I'm guessing these, you know, a driving theater while the movie is playing has got to be visible from way, way high up there. You know, UFOs love UFO beams. They love screens. <laughs> they're definitely attracted to this, I think. Maybe they're just curious. I don't think they're really watching the movie as we would think of it, though there are a few cases where they were there the entire movie, way up there, but they were there. Don't you think it's interesting, though, too, that, you know, after all of this started happening or even around the time that it started happening, that it didn't take that long for them to go from being out there beyond the screen to being on the screen, <laughs> like in Earth versus the saucers. And, and you know what I'm saying? They, they, it's like they have inserted themselves into our culture through this means of mass media which is the is theater, which, and, and the whole thing is theatrical in nature. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're doing. With these driving theater cases, we don't have abductions, at least not apparently. There are a few cases, maybe, which got a little weird. But mostly, I think these are just your s simple kind of close encounter of the first kind, a sighting. The thing, of course, is that we don't have movie theaters like we used to, drive-ins. Even the standard movie plexes are dying because of the coronavirus. But I was looking up drive-ins in and around my corner of the world here in Arizona, and there is one that's not far from me. It's called Digital Drive-In AZ, which is located on North Alma School Road in Mesa, Arizona. It's a 24 by 40 foot digital screen. And obviously the way it works is they don't give you a speaker to receive the audio. I think it's generated by AM or FM or something so that you can pick up the signal on your car radio, which gets you better quality audio, of course. That was a big thing, of course, about drive-ins to me when I would go when I was younger and living in rural Alabama and everything. We go to the drive-in, they give you the portable speaker system, which had horrible sound. <laughs> and then you have to make sure your windshield was clear yeah. so that you could actually see something on it. I understand now with social distancing and mask wearing, this may be the only way to rescue movie theaters 
for the time being. In fact, even now, we're not going to get into it because it's not part of our discussion. Look at Warner Media. All of their films for 2021 will premiere not just in the movie theaters, all three or four that are left, but through HBO Max, their streaming service, even Wonder Woman on Christmas Day. You can watch Wonder Woman at the multiplex if one is open, or you can watch it home on HBO Max. I'm giving a commercial here, and I expect a 10-year membership from HBO because they really need the publicity. They're not getting good publicity from the movie industry who doesn't like it. But seriously speaking here, UFOs are the drive-in. That conveys a really, really unusual slant to the purpose of UFOs and why they're here, because this is obviously a deliberate action. They didn't accidentally come to the local drive-in. They're doing something. But then it also conveys the impression that this also could be something generated by some kind of government action in some cases. I don't think it's government. Some of these witnesses call airports, police, you know, do a long search. And uh, usually they get no response. Uh, And in a number of cases, uh, we do have Air Force showing up and chasing these objects away. For that matter, particularly with the early witnesses from the 1950s, a lot of them were military. Well, here's a really interesting case, which I think sort of speaks towards military involvement. Uh, This occurred at the terrorist drive-in. This is in Bakersfield, California, August 12th, 1952. It's a fairly large drive-in, 600-plus cars. And the main witness is Lieutenant Jenkins. He's at, watching this movie with everyone else when suddenly this, without warning, this object just drops down and hovers about 20 to 50 feet above the screen. This one is sort of cigar-shaped. It's got portholes or lights on it. It doesn't stay long. It's totally silent. Just a couple of moments and darts off like a bullet. Well, he decides to call the local um, police, Sheriff Leroy Hatfield answers, takes his testimony, hangs up the phone. Soon, another call comes in. It's another person to the theater. After four calls, he just goes down to the theater. There's 100 people there. He takes the testimony of about 30 people and sends it off to Edwards Air Force Base, uh, who is very interested in his report. It's rooted through Blue Book, past Blue Book, actually, to the Air Technical Intelligence Command at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, also forwarded to Ent Air Force Base in Colorado, and to the top of government, Director of Intelligence at Washington, D.C. So they were very interested in this from the very beginning. I tracked other cases that had that same sort of route. (laughs) Yeah, our intelligence, our military intelligence was very interested in these reports, and I think knew from the very beginning that these were not, certainly not ours, from possibly Russia, but no pretty clear that they believed that these were extraterrestrial from the very beginning. Well, certainly the estimate of the situation that that uh, Project Sign did, uh, we know that their engineers, when they studied all of the reports that had come into them, uh, Ruppelt himself, who saw a copy of the estimate, says, yeah, they concluded that they were interplanetary in those days. But of course, since then, we've found that it's really unlikely that there are any other civilizations in our solar system. So the next logical location would be something interstellar. Yeah, or for that matter, it could be farther than that. We don't really know. <laughs> Interdimensional, other you know, galaxies. 
some ETs have said, oh, we're from Andromeda. You know, a number of them do announce their alleged origins, but generally speaking, no. They're very tight-lipped and kind of coy with their answers. But I wonder here, Preston, when someone communicates with an alleged ET, and they say, okay, we come from Andromeda. We come from wherever. We come from this planet that's 137 light years away. Okay, why believe them? More to come with Gene Preston Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So my question in the last portion of the show, Preston, why believe anything these entities or beings supposedly say? Well... That's a good question, because I do know that there are a number of cases where they do seem to be deliberately evasive. Uh, for example, one couple I interviewed who had an experience in Sedona, Arizona, were taken on board and did converse with the ETs, uh, who didn't provide a lot of information. Um, they're generally, yeah, pretty evasive. Uh, she asked, where are you guys from? And they said, we're from a place you don't know about yet. Uh, they asked, what, you know, why are you here? And they're like, well, we're helping people as much as we can without you know, taking over in so many words. 
most people don't get messages. Some do. I think we have to take a lot of this at face value and uh, just do our own judgment on whether or not these guys are telling the truth. There's a bell curve of types of experiences people have going from pretty negative to very positive. So it's very hard to just sort of give a blanket statement that are these ETs telling the truth or not? I think in some cases we have good evidence that they are and others no. Evidence that they are telling the truth, how so? How can we verify what they tell us? They can say wherever they come from. It could be totally true, but we have no way to prove it. Right. Well, I mean, we do have evidence of UFO reality in terms of implant removals. Uh, I'm dealing with a uh, young mother and her son who are having this whole experience. They live in the Midwest and they went to the dentist and there's some sort of foreign body in her son's mouth beneath the molar. I've shown this x-ray to some surgeons and doctors, and they both diagnosed it as a foreign body. Clearly extraterrestrial. If someone's having these experiences and they're talking to the ETs directly, I mean, I see what you're saying. But uh, like some healing cases, people have told, oh, you have um, one lady I interviewed. She was going to have a quarter of her lung removed from a tumor. And she had, was taken on board, and the ETs said, oh, you know, we have a problem, and we will fix it. And that was true. They did. She went back to the doctor. They couldn't find the tumor. They were completely shocked. And uh, she didn't want to tell them, you know, how the tumor she believes disappeared. But she believes the ETs were telling her the truth because she has physical evidence that it happened. Well, from the physical evidence that something happened, we have this miraculous cure. doesn't tell us who did it. Well, she remembers. I mean, at some point, you have to sort of just take this stuff at face, face value. If ETs are a completely deceptive phenomenon, they're masquerading as ETs. As some you know, major researchers believe, I mean, then this is a much more complex phenomenon we're dealing with. I personally think the extraterrestrial theory is the one that fits best because the reports not only of landing traces and implants, and, but the crash retrieval phenomena. And if that's true, which at this point is still based only on what testimony, first-hand testimony, eyewitness testimony. But if it's true, we actually have this alien hardware and these craft and we're reverse engineering technology. Well, then I think we know what we're dealing with here. Extraterrestrials, people like us, but from other planets. Seems to make sense. but there also seems to be a, a variety of types, right? Like you, like you mentioned the healing cases, which I think are really interesting. And they have told people like, okay, I remember there was a case, it was of a doctor I read in one of the books. And who knows you know, how we verify these. But quite a few of them do seem reasonable enough to, like you say, just take at face value as an experience that these people had. And they said, we will, co- you know, we'll come back in a week. You make sure you're in this location and we will take you and fix you. And according to this doctor, that's exactly what happened. He lived out in the country. So when they came, he went out, he got in their craft. He was miraculously cured or by their high technology or whatever the case was, and then went on to live a relatively normal life. 
But that's the really rare exception. They don't seem to interfere with this on a, on a larger scale. Like Gene, I think, has mentioned it before. Well, they could probably give us whatever uh, information we need to cure this this COVID thing. But, you know, they're not. They're not coming down and helping us on any large scale. It's always these isolated, rogue or random cases. Yeah, I wonder about that. It's like our planet is under quarantine or something. <laughs> um, seriously. Maybe the aliens haven't got a cure for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you know, are they wearing masks now, too? <laughs> you know? <gasps> There's something going on because if UFOs are real and I think the evidence shows us that they are and that they are extraterrestrial and I think that's the best theory, like I said, they're probably out there in large numbers. Look at the UFO reporting centers. They're receiving, what, 20 cases a day? And I know from firsthand you know, research and experience that most people don't report their sightings. One in 10 would be very generous. It's probably closer to one in 100. So if they're getting... You know, 20 reports a day and you times that by 10, that's 200. Could be closer to 2,000 per day. Either case, that means right at this moment, people are seeing UFOs. Right at this moment, someone's probably being taken on board. Face-to-face contact. This is an ongoing phenomenon that's in large numbers. I think, you know, when I say large numbers, I mean epidemic proportions. One in 40 people is what J. Allen Hynek said, is, have had an onboard experience the Roper poll found one in 50. At either way, this, that's a lot of people. Right. Well, even when Stanton Friedman was out doing his lecturing, he would say this during his interviews. He'd say, well, he'd ask how many people had seen a UFO. And quite a few hands would go up. And then he'd say, well, how many people reported it? And maybe, you know, just a small handful, a very small portion of the audience would, would say that they had reported it. So, but then again, that doesn't necessarily imply that there's lots of UFOs. It could be the case that, I mean, these things move very quickly from location to location. There could be just a very small number of them that just tend to get around a lot. <laughs> yeah, but if you're uh, talking about substantial portions of the world population, Millions of people have seen UFOs, not just hundreds of thousands or thousands, millions of people. And as you say, most don't report it or they see it and they don't pay attention. Oh, there's some light in the sky. Let me get on with getting home or watching the news or dealing now with the pandemic where they're not looking it up at all because they're staying in their homes or they're focusing on their surroundings as much more so than having to focus on any external thing. If anything, I would think that more UFOs being present now would not be seen as a result of that. But that means we have an ever-present phenomenon impacting, again, tens of millions of people around the world. But we only hear about a few thousand cases here and there. Yeah, it looks like it's escalating, too. I mean, according to the UFO reporting centers, their numbers of reports go up each year, pretty much. So I don't know if that's because people are more aware now or know who to call. Uh, but doesn't appear that these guys are going away. Uh, still, Who are you going to call? UFO busters. <laughs> uh, this is a phenomenon that is mostly evasive. That's kind of why I find the driving theater encounters interesting because that's a more in-your-face type of behavior which we do see you know these displays like phoenix lights i think that fits under that category 
it wanted to be seen. Any UFO wave where it's just in your face, Hudson Valley, Gulf Breeze, they put on these little publicity stunts every five or ten years or so. I think we're overdue for one, but there has been an uptick of sightings this year. Uh, so, phew, I don't know. So, so people a- are looking out then, are they? We have Preston Dennett written a number of UFO articles and books, including UFOs, The Drive-In, which is a subject we're exploring. The prevalence of strange things wanting to stage a show for our benefit. Yeah, how about that? And we have to think here, can we have Oscars for UFO sightings? Give them an Oscar (laughs) if they do a good act. How about that? Okay, you don't really go for that. Okay. Preston Dennett, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy. That means you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from Natural Botanicals to return to a full body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. 
There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware. Not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients. American made with American ingredients employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Oh, by the way, we should tell you that Preston, likes so much being with us, actually, we kidnapped him again. He'll stick around for after the Paracast, and after the Paracast is an exclusive feature of the Paracast Plus. The Paracast Plus is a special subscription service where we give you a version of this show with better audio, free of the network ads, the After the Paracast podcast. And if you subscribe for five years or a lifetime, we give you a coupon code for a free download of the phenomenon, the UFO documentary from James Fox with three hours of added material. Check out the Paracast.plus for more. The Paracast.plus. Randall, you were looking over a lot of the cases that Preston has cited for his book, UFOs, the drive-in. Go for it, man. Yeah, Preston. So uh, this is a really fun book, by the way. It looks like it's getting some pretty good reviews on Amazon as well. So... I decided to pick out, uh, just cherry pick a few sightings and that you can tell our audience about. Feel free to read right out of the book or just cover them in whatever way that you feel is most appropriate. We've still got lots of time. But uh, the first one that I'd like you to tell us about is called the Starlight Drive-In Theater. And this is the one from Spartanburg, South Carolina. You start off by saying the earliest drive-in UFO counter on record ended up reaching very high levels of military intelligence. Perhaps by lucky coincidence, the main witness, Vernon Gwynn, was a newspaper journalist. And this happened on July 22nd, 1950. Can you tell us some more about this case? Yeah, it's the earliest one I could find. By the way, Starlight is the most common name for drive-ins, and there are at least three or four cases in the book involving theaters of that name, and this is one of them. As you mentioned, Spartanburg, North Carolina. I think the only real reason this case generated you know, some interest or got 
recorded in any way because the main witness was Vernon Gwynn, a newspaper journalist uh, who was there at the theater with his wife, Betty. This is on July 22nd, 1950. And uh, they're just watching the movie when they see this sort of weird looking cloud drift by the theater, that, which didn't quite look like a cloud. And they didn't weren't paying it much attention until it returned and made another pass at the theater. They looked at it and they're like, huh, it looks like there might be something in that thing. And when it came a third time, they started paying closer attention. And on the fourth time, by this time, they were out of their cars and alerting the cars next to them at this thing, uh, which was pretty close, pretty uh, low down. Uh, this took place over you know, a period of 30, 40 minutes or so. And at some point came just, I think it was a couple of hundred feet over the theater. And they described it as being sort of dirigible shaped with a rounded bottom, silver, white. They weren't sure how large it was, but it looked very large and very low. And so he reports the sighting. Vernon Gwynn decides he's going to report the sighting. And his report was forwarded to Project Blue Book. And this write-up on his case was actually sent directly to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base to the lead guy there, Colonel John Meads, the commanding general. Uh, so this is how I know that from the very beginning, our government was certainly interested in what was going on uh, in these sort of instances. The, the entire report was titled Unconventional Aircraft. It's called, quote, the flying thing. <laughs> so they didn't know what this was. They were Okay. In most of the Blue Book, cases they have some kind of a designation as to whether what you know as to what it was is whether it was an unexplained or some sort of an aircraft or an astronomical phenomena but in this case there was no explanation this didn't get reported as a blue book unknown sort of bypassed blue book as a number of these did if it goes to the air technical intelligence command those are the cases that sort of affect national security and blue book didn't see a lot of those Blue Book did investigate some of these cases, but not one of them made their unidentified list. One was clearly unidentified. I mean, the guy who was reporting it knew the witness. They were both military-trained observers. The Blue Book superiors said, no, we think this might be a balloon. We want you to go search for possible balloons in this area. Even though the object was in view for many minutes, it was traveling against the wind. It was far too low. Uh, there was a number of reasons it wasn't a balloon. Although, you know, dirigible shaped, I mean, they did have zeppelins and stuff like that in those days, you know, like, but some of them were mistaken for UFOs. You know, unless it all of a sudden went zipping off at high speed, you know, maybe it maybe it was some kind of a, you know, a powered lighter than air craft of some kind. It's possible they didn't hear anything. Most of these are close enough where you would hear it. This one wasn't as close as how the, close they typically come, which is right over the screen. Why is this thing targeting the theater over and over again? Four passes over the theater. There was one theater in Canada that was being repeatedly visited so often that the owners finally put it in their advertisement and said, you want to see UFOs? <laughs> come to the local drive-in. No kidding. That is really interesting. Uh, go ahead and tell us about that case if you happen to have it handy. Give us a few more details. What city did that take place in? There's not a whole lot of details about this one. This was in Canada. Most of these are in the U.S., right. uh, but this one took place on Prince Edward Island in Charlottetown. 
sometime in the late 1960s. And I don't have information on the actual sightings, only that the owners did advertise. And I can tell you that a number of theaters have been repeatedly visited. The Yuma Drive-In in Arizona was visited at least three times that I know of over a period of decades, twice in 1952, once much more recently in 1976. It's weird because they'll Usually they just pick a theater and they pop pop over to another one and then and then another one another city away and sort of like a a book tour or a musician on tour they sort of hit various cities doing their little publicity campaign. Maybe but, that's what some of them were was some kind of. I mean, I, I mean, if we were just just take say a skeptical approach, oh, there were these lighter than air balloons. Not all of them huge, but some of them with small motors that were used as advertising balloons basically and uh you know some of them had writing on the sides maybe they, you know maybe they just thought they'd try to do this to to get out not, their message <laughs> no, not a chance not a chance okay look, have look to ask. <laughs> for example this case in mentor ohio a uh, cigar-shaped object hovers over the theater for a half an hour finally the owners turned off the movie because the audience was freaking out and no one was watching the movie. And as soon as this happens, this is a large cigar-shaped object um, hovering fairly close. They couldn't tell quite how close or how large this thing was. But they realized it was quite large because after a half an hour, and they t- after they turned off this theater, the movie screen, that's when the real show began. And this cigar-shaped object turns vertical and releases one, two, three, four, ten discs. It's ten glowing classic flying saucers which dance around for a good 15, 20 minutes, darting around, hovering, come closer to the witnesses, darting away. And after they put on their little show, they all line up in a column like little school children and go back into the cigar-shaped craft. We are going to dance around these announcements. Preston, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com, keyword antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203. This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNlife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNlife.com or 844-443-6637. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. As coronavirus cases continue to rise in many areas of the country, state and local authorities are issuing various restrictions aimed at slowing the spread of the virus. With that comes the consequences for business, particularly bars and restaurants, who have had the way they do business fundamentally changed by the pandemic. 
But House Minority Whip Steve Scalise says that local Democratic leaders don't seem to care that they're crushing businesses in their communities. The Louisiana Republican tells Fox News that national leadership is also making COVID relief nothing more than a political issue. They are crushing, crushing these small businesses, the millions of jobs that are tied to it, and they just don't seem to care. Speaker Pelosi won't even bring up a bill on the House floor that that would get almost unanimous support that would allow these small businesses who are struggling to get another round of PPP loans just because, as she said the other day, she doesn't want to help them. She's waiting for a new president. This is USA Radio News. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices at the Centers for Disease Control has added its approval to the emergency use authorization for Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine. The CDC committee voted Saturday to recommend the vaccine for use for people 16 years of age or older. Now that the COVID vaccine has received that authorization, the task of getting that shot out to millions of Americans is underway. Speaking at a Saturday press conference, Operation Warp Speed Chief Operating Officer General Gustav Perna says his group's mission still has a long way to go to be completed. We know every day American lives are lost, more fall ill every day, more struggle with the circumstances of the pandemic. So while today we applaud everybody who's been a part of the team, part of the collaboration, part of the success that's brought us here today, we know that we are not done. We are not done until every American has access to the vaccine. To every American that wants it, receives it. This is USA Radio News. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625 hi my name is richard dolan you're listening to the paracast Yeah, well, maybe the movie wasn't that good. Maybe we should look at the movie that's being shown when UFOs appear. Maybe the movie's boring and people don't really dig it. And the Rotten Tomatoes rating for those movies isn't very high. And so the UFOs come out to do their thing. Nope, some of these are great movies. Exorcist, King Kong, Jurassic Park, come on. The Simpsons movie, that was pretty good. (laughs) Well, and of course, there's aliens in the Simpsons movie. <laughs> right? Maybe they're studying the movie to learn yeah. about us. I hope not. It's oh, all sociological. I think that's what they're doing. They're studying our behavior. That's what they're doing. Well, get this. This could be it. Some people have brought this up. and I'm like, hey, maybe you're right. ETs do seem to be very interested in human emotion. And you studying- know, this gets to be the ultimate joke about the influence of our media. So there's this satirical movie called Galaxy Quest. And it's about 
a group of actors who were in a Star Trek type series. The series, of course, folded, and they don't get any more jobs. So they run around and they attempt to make money from conventions. And it turns out that this alien race picked up the signals for this TV show and misinterpreted them as historical documents and therefore created their whole society around the spaceship and the people and everything. So we think here, E.T. is interested in our media, in our culture. That's the ultimate twist. Of course, again, it's just a movie, but it's worth watching, by the way, if you can catch it on Netflix or whoever has Galaxy Quest now. I thought it was a fun movie, not because I had a chance to interview Tim Allen, one of the stars, for 10 minutes one time. It is a really good movie. But let's get back to ETs and media and culture. So ET doesn't care if they're visiting us at the drive-in and whether the movie is good or not. Or maybe they only go if they're good movies. Well, there was one case in Lubbock, Texas. The indoor theater was showing the movie The Thing from Another World while that drive-in theater was actually being visited (laughs) by a, a thing from another world. Outdoor theaters definitely offer something the indoor theaters will never be able to offer, but couldn't find a single, you know, movie like where the UFOs came down during aliens or anything that was in your face about aliens or UFOs. You know what? Interesting (laughs) here. The thing from another world, you know, who played the thing in the original version? This is not this is one from the 50s, not the, the reboot, but the original one who played the thing. Which actor? Hmm. Which very tall, like six foot five actor played the thing? This is your department, Gene. James Arness. Gun who smoke. also who also played okay, see, I don't know. I don't He was know Marshall Matt Dillon in the TV version of Gunsmoke. Oh really? Okay. So I can I remember that character to some okay. degree. I mean, I, I, and his brother, Peter Graves from Mission Impossible. That was pre- actually it's pretty interesting. They did a remake of that too. I think it was Mission Impossible. Uh, no, the thing. Of course, they also also Mission Impossible. That's got Tom Cruise in it now, which isn't right, bad. And, uh, it's not bad either. No, it grosses billions of dollars at the box office, and he does these impossible, impossible stunts. The last one, Mission Impossible Fallout, had a spy with a mustache, a British spy. Looked a lot like James Bond with a mustache, played by Henry Cavill, better known as Superman. Well, okay, that's all. You know, sorry, Preston. See, E.T. cares about this. You see, E.T. cares about this. I'm sure. Let's go to another one that I cherry picked out of the list. This happened at the Oak Ridge Drive-In Theater. And you start off saying this next account from U.S. Army Intelligence Records provides the third case of a drive-in movie UFO encounter. The incident began precisely at 6.23 p.m. on October 24th, 1950, when radar operators at the Knoxville Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee, detected several small, slow-moving targets in a restricted flying zone over Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Is this the same Oak Ridge where the Oak Ridge Lab is, Preston? Yeah, I think so. And this is one of the cases that I wonder about the location, you know, perhaps the 
UFOs are attracted to the technology that's in this area. For example, the Yuma drive-in, that's very close to Yuma Air Force Base. And a few of these do are adjacent to military installations, uh, which we know is a draw for UFOs. But if you look at these cases in their entirety, it's clear that drive-ins are what we would call a UFO attractor, very much like nuclear power stations or reservoirs or, as you mentioned, water tanks, dams. All these things seem to draw UFOs like schoolyards. I did a sure. book on that. Yeah, that's a really interesting book, too. Can you give us a few more details on this Oak Ridge Drive-In Theater case? Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, case because this one does have radar confirmation. And a jet fighter was actually scrambled to vector in the target. But the pilot was not able to uh, find these objects because apparently they left and were, went to the nearby drive-in theater where one of the audience members was actually a military guy, a chief of security at the NEPA division of Oak Ridge, uh, William Fry. And uh, he was there with his wife and kid, and all three of them saw this object, which clearly wasn't normal because it was flashing colors, red, green, blue, orange, darting back and forth at, you know, pretty low on the horizon in a horizontal trajectory. Uh, that actually alerted the projectionist, and he said that, yeah, you can see it too. And there were residents in the surrounding area that saw it as well, which does happen in some cases. But no, usually these are restricted to just the audience only. Only paying members of the audience see these things in most cases. That This is sort of the exception. This one is an outlier, I guess you might call it. But it was the typical sort of behavior we see. This was a display that lasted over a half an hour until finally this object, you know, did its job and darted off. How do people behave when these ha when these settings occur? Typically, like, do, do they? I mean, do we see panic? Do we see people trying to leave the theater, or are they just do they just kind of s stand there in awe, or is there some combination of all that going on? Uh, I would say we get both. Uh, we get some people who just react with complete awe and excitement and enjoy their experience and others know there is absolutely a panic uh, like in the portland twin drive-in in scarborough maine mind you this is a twin theater this is on june 15th 1975 and that's when things had really ramped up I and mean, they were putting on shows after theater after theater coming very low and this object slowly approaches the theater it moves over a shopping center people are looking at it and comes right for the theater. It's about 50 feet high, maybe 75 feet. Goes right to the screen, moves behind the screen, turns, comes up and hovers 15 feet over it. And at this point, panic, there was complete panic. Cars were driving off with the speakers still attached and it cleared that theater parking lot out. And why I know or why I suspect it's doing this on purpose or at least showing itself, is because after it cleared out most of that parking lot, all but about 10 cars, including the main witness, this object moves over to the other screen. This is a twin theater again. And parks over it and clears that parking lot out. Uh, yeah, so I just wonder, as I think about this, were the drivers of those cars billed for the speakers that they took with them? 
that would be interesting, you know, if they arrested them for stealing the speakers. And they said, no, 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 no. We were running away from a UFO. Yeah, what, <laughs> what I didn't do is contact, you know, driving theaters themselves. Someone's like, oh, did you call up driving? I'm like, mm, no, I didn't even think of that. Well, so, it depends whether any of them are even open anymore. UFOs the drive-in, Preston Dennett, Gene and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or medical care, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. That's 800-880-1896. As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, 
Get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. An interesting focal point of UFO lore, UFOs showing up at the drive-in. Nowadays, of course, how many drive-ins do we even have left anymore, Preston? More than you'd think. In the heyday, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, there was thousands. I actually got a map and I charted them all out. Or I mean, there was I found a map where they were all listed. And then I charted a map of all the encounters and it definitely fell right along that sort of spread. Now there's hmm, just a few hundred, three, four, five hundred. Uh, it's still exclusively, mostly a U.S. phenomena. I found one case in China at an outdoor theater, which was a crazy case, but mostly U.S., and uh, there is a comeback. I still think it's going to happen because I do have a few modern cases, but not a lot. After the 70s, this really started shutting down in large numbers. The cases, of course, dropped dramatically, moving from one every year or so to one every five years or even less. What's really interesting about this for people who are, say, my age, you know, are say, late 50s, early 60s and up, is that we remember what it was like back in those days. I mean, the cars were different. Like Gene mentioned, you'd have this sort of parking meter-sized speaker that would sit on your window at at the beginning. And the cars themselves had these big, luxurious bench seats. You, You could sit three or four people in the front seat of one of these cars really quite comfortably. It's like sitting on a couch with lots of headroom and uh, it was quite luxurious compared to a lot of days uh, today's smaller compact cars there's no such thing as a bench seat anymore you have sort of that in the rear there is a bench seat but usually you've got this large center hump that makes it difficult for the odd person out in the front it's bucket seats and i thought bucket seats were something sporty and special on the cars i bought in the early days. Nowadays, every car has bucket seats. Yeah, like back in those days, I mean, the thing was, is you got your girlfriend and, you know, if you're going to the drive-in theater, she could snuggle right, you know, right up next to you on the on the bench seat, just like she would be on the couch at home. And it, it, it was a whole different kind of experience back yeah. in those days. No, no cell phones to disrupt you. There was the car radios. Like Gene, you were saying, like l- later they... As because people were driving off with the speakers, in some cases cutting them, they went to the a radio receiving type. So you'd pull into the theater and it would be a little transmitter 
where the speaker used to be or nearby and you you'd be picking up the show that way which is a be- much better way to go really but you still had right up until and even into the 80s a lot of the old cars you could still do that with so it was a very different kind of experience for people in those days oh it's very popular it was like the number one attraction for the american family My it depends had- on where you live though i lived in brooklyn new york you didn't have the space for a drive and maybe you had a few but if you grew up in a small town, that was the culture. They were the rage, yeah. They had playgrounds, they had petting zoos, balloon rides, pre-shows. They yeah. did everything they could to attract people, and it worked. Actually, I had to hire police at some point because people were going there to make out. Well, of course. Well, I mean, you can imagine, though, <laughs> if, if you can sort of envision this, if you're one of the people who are good at kind of imagining how things could go down. I mean, they had those crazy commercials you know, during the intermission with, you know, the, the dancing bun taunting the hot dog and, and to, <laughs> to, to, to jump on into the bun if there, as if there's no euphemisms going on there. So you can imagine, you know, these people coming back from the concession stand with their soft drink and their hot dog and, and, and then looking up and all of a sudden realizing that there's this really strange thing going on over the screen and people are leaving the parking lot and you're wondering, oh, my God, what's going on? Where's my car? I, I wish somebody would put this into a movie like like a, <laughs> it would be just really great. Somebody like Spielberg would do that. I'm surprised it's not more well known, uh, honestly, because of how many cases there are. I found 100 and I'm guessing there's a lot more than that because, again, most people don't report it. But some for crazy cases. I mean, <laughs> let's move on to another. Here's the next one that I that I picked out for now. Uh, we'll get to more in after the Paracast as well, I'm sure. But this one is called the Universal City Drive-In Theater. This involves an Air Force captain and member of the physiology branch of the Aeromedical Lab after seeing a UFO to drive-in theater in Universal City, Texas on May 21st, 1952. The officer felt compelled to report his sighting officially He was put in touch with officers at Project Blue Book who prepared the report describing the captain's sighting. So tell us about this sighting. Yeah, this is one of the sightings I mentioned, which did actually make it to Blue Book. Um, It's an interesting sighting. took place at around 9 to 9.30 p.m., so at least a half an hour in duration, which I think is an important detail. That's kind of the behavior we see in these things. These are not brief sightings in most cases. And uh, these objects were noticed to the right of the screen, and there was a, a large number of them, actually, 15 to 20 objects. They were observed just one at a time, and they dart off. These were much brighter than you know your average star. I think uh, they described it about three times the brightness of Venus and moving much faster than a jet fighter. Very bright, bluish-white in color, doing all these kind of incredible maneuvers going back and forth and up and down and then darting upwards, doing kind of little S-shaped sine waves. They would disappear and reappear. A really sort of, once again, in-your-face, real dramatic sighting. And it's interesting to me that they're always appearing right next to the screen because they clearly want to be viewed and very good visibility as well. Hard to say what these objects were. Well, it's it's pretty it's pretty it's not so hard to say what they're not in this case. Like, okay, 
Nah, the other one that sort of floated by and maybe was kind of shaped like a, a Zeppelin. Okay, maybe somebody could say, well, maybe it was a Zeppelin. But this one, this does not sound anything like that. I mean, the dirigibles don't just go zipping around and change direction and up and down and back and forth. Some of them, okay, I could see colored lights happening, but not that kind of maneuverability, just no way. Yeah, yeah, and this is the 1950s, mind you. Th- that's a pretty tame sighting compared to most of them. The 50s was the what I call the pre-show, uh, and really it was the 60s and 70s where they started like, okay, let's do the feature presentation. And we'll have to get into some of those. Some one of the things I, I noticed about these classic sightings that you've written about here and other authors have written about is there was a lot of highly optical facets to the sightings that involved lights that were changing colors throughout the spectrum, you know, almost like in a rainbow fashion. And in some cases that, that seemed to mimic, say, maybe like as if they w- was something that was being heated. You would go from a dull to up to a bright glow and then back again. And when they are getting ready to take off, they, they get brighter in some cases. But we don't hear about that much anymore. Yeah, I've always wondered about the appearance of UFOs in terms of the lights on them and the colors. Because there was some speculation that, hey, they're coming in red and leaving blue, which would sort of correspond to a light shift with the wavelength of the light itself. And there are some cases that speak towards that. But what I hear a lot is these colored lights all over these things lit up like a Christmas tree is a very common description and apparently fairly accurate because people are describing purple lights, blue, green, yellow, red, orange, a full rainbow of stuff. And I finally come to the conclusion that these are not, you know, navigation lights. These are not sensing devices or anything like that. Uh, I don't know. I'm just speculating here, but I think these are decorative <laughs> or they're wanting to be noticed. They're used to sort of entrance people or hypnotize them, perhaps. Uh, I don't know, but there's something going on here that I don't think we fully understand. These things are far too beautiful, far too colorful. I don't, I don't quite get it. What's going on here? It's almost like a close encounters type of thing where they, you know, there's a, a range of colors that seem to indicate something and then can be used in a, in a way to communicate something. Or it reminds me of what actually, what we might do with say some kind of wildlife that we're trying to study the behavior you know well maybe it's not much different than us using a laser pointer to play with a cat or something you know (laughs) you know well yeah because these things can come in invisible if they want we've we've got many reports of them suddenly appearing or going transparent or cloaking themselves so why would they and if they can you know got they have to have telescopes if if we do. Well, you know, we have these announcements and then we'll have more with Preston. Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attention real estate investors, do you need cash immediately? If you own one or multiple rental properties, you can use your equity to get cash out fast. The best part is we don't need tax returns or even a good credit score. At America's Loan Source, we are not a bank and we don't have bank rules. We make the decisions to loan you money and there's no limit how much we can give you. Some clients have gotten as much as $500,000 or more within days. Use the money any way you want. If you own one rental property or a hundred and COVID has left you in a cash crunch, we can help you turn your equity into fast cash. Call now for details and close in as little as 10 days and get the cash you need. 800-507-6553-800-507-6553-800-507-6553. That's 800-507-6553. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we continue the topic of discussion, UFOs the drive-in. Randall, you want to pick up on the questioning? Yeah, we were just talking about how theatrical in nature the behavior of the craft himself are. We're at an entertainment event, which is a theatrical event. You know, maybe they're just sort of trying to mimic the lighting that's going on in order to see how people react to it. That kind of thing. Because like you were saying, Preston, before the break, if they didn't want us to see them, there's no reason that we would. They could be studying our planet entirely incognito. If they've got this this kind of technology, we may not know that they're there at all unless they choose to show themselves. And this does seem very intentional. Yeah. I mean, here's a strange case. This is one of the cases that made me kind of want to write this book. It was one of the Colorado cases. This one occurred in Boulder, Colorado. And the witnesses saw this object way off in the distance kind of moving this meandering pattern until it kind of gets close to the theater. And then it makes a beeline towards him. <laughs> comes straight for him it's a classic domed saucer as it usually is in most of these cases there's different shapes but it's usually your classic disc and it was 200 feet overhead it stops it's right next to the screen and starts flashing lights at people which were so bright um they were painful to look at the audience did react in this case by honking their horns and flashing their lights back at the object so there was this sort of little communication or conversation so to speak it was very brief though in this case and you know after the car started honking this object moves away in this case it just came upon the theater and saw it and like oh this looks interesting 
the objects just drop down out of the sky and or approach from a distance straight towards the theater itself. That would be just such an amazing thing to see. I know that there are some few number of more recent sightings, but it seems like these all took place back in you know, the what is mainly the golden era of ufology before people were highly stigmatized against the phenomena. It was actually kind of a cool thing if you could see a UFO. It was like, wow, that's really cool. Nowadays, it's, it's just, we're not getting these kinds of mass sightings or in groups like this. It makes me wish that I, I, I lived back then. If I could go back in time, this is one of the things I would do. I would take your book with me and I would go to every <laughs> one of these places and see this take place while it was happening. I mean, it would be a whole new way to go about researching the subject, that's for sure. I've got a couple more. This is the other Starlight Drive-In Theater at Alamogordo. Okay, uh, this one happened in 1952 and remains the most prolific in terms of drive-in theater encounters. A particularly credible account comes from an anonymous second lieutenant, also an aeronautical engineer, assigned to the missile test unit at Holloman Air Force Base. On October 7th, 1952, the officer and his wife were at the Starlight Drive-In Theater. This time, Starlight is hyphenated in Alamogordo, New Mexico, when they both saw something that they were unable to explain. Tell us more. Yeah, 1952 was a crazy year. That was probably the biggest year in terms of these encounters. They showed no fear of being seen all over the United States and the world. I think that's kind of why we have a lot uh, in 1952. This is also, again, next to Holloman Air Force Base, uh, which is a huge, huge UFO magnet. So that could definitely be part of what's going on here. This is, again, sort of the pre-show. It's not a particularly dramatic sighting. But the officer, the aeronautical engineer, uh, was not the first to notice it. It was his wife who saw this strange light. Uh, looking through the windshield, it was oval in shape, lighter on the outside than in the center. Appeared to be kind of whitish or pale blue in color. First appeared on the east uh, horizon, moved in a straight line, and faded out pretty quick. This is kind of a case which I would label more as a sort of random flyby. So let's face it, you're out there at night for hours at a time. That's prime viewing spot. A drive-in theater would be a great place to see a UFO. And in some cases, they aren't specifically targeting theaters. They're just sort of uh, randomly flying by. And I think that's what's going on here. It lacks the sort of features I look for. It's not super low level. It's not right next to the screen. It's not putting on a show. But I included it because, you know, it's still sort of a sighting at a theater. And by someone also who is in the military who has some sort of credentials. And, And I'm seeing that there's quite a few of those types of sightings in the book. And that a lot of them were in the 50s and in 1952. And you say about this sighting that it was around at this time, the 1952 wave, that it was coming to the end around this time. Yep, yep. I don't know what was going on that year. This was just a few years after Roswell, right? 1947. Uh, But something went on in 1952 that was just insane. Well, the D.C. sightings in 52, those were some of the most credible and incredible sightings of pretty much all time in ufology history, where we had aircraft going up and being vectored to them with radars from civilian and military 
locations nearby, different radar stations, and then locking on with their own radar on the jet to have the jet be surrounded by these glowing blue lights and the pilot going, well, you know, radioing in going, well, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, 1952 was really incredible. Yeah, according to Ed Ruppelt of Project Blue Book, there was a six-month period there, most of the summer, where 148 of the world's leading newspapers carried more than 16,000 articles about UFOs. So it was definitely all the rage. It makes you wonder if they're just trying to get in on the popularity or something. Like, what if their social structure is just such that they're doing it just like, you know, how... You know, in the old days, a barnstormer might barnstorm a, a barn or a farm or something like that just to get attention, just to yeah. be part of the show, become noticed. There's you know? something to that, for sure. <laughs> UFOs attracted to cars on highways late at night. How many cases are there of UFOs just pacing cars down the road, scaring the wits out of a driver in the middle of the night on some random highway? Lots. Hundreds, literally. Their behavior in those cases is, again, very much like joyriding. You took the words right out of my mouth. But why would aliens come, you know, light years to, to joyride around? It, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, it's hard to imagine. I mean, the, the amount of energy it would take to get here and to do all that just for a joyride, it seems absurd. We're assuming it does take an enormous amount of energy. It could be easy for them. Might be just a hop, skip, and a jump to Earth to scare the Earthlings and have a fun night out. Maybe these are teenagers. Some people ask me that. That's interesting you say that because I've got a few onboard cases where people have been taken on board a craft and swear up and down that the ETs who were flying this thing were teenage greys. You know, okay, what if they're these nomad type aliens? In other words, these aren't the ones that have FTL and and can go at light speed and zip back and forth from their planet to ours. But maybe their planet, you know, is gone a long time ago. Their sun went Nova, but they've got these big ships and they just kind of wander around the galaxy at low speed. They have really, really long lifespans. They don't get old and die like we do. So they've got all the time in the universe to just sort of float around and visit different planets. And it takes them a long time to get there. So when they finally get to one, it's like, you know, shore leave, time to get out and have some fun. Yeah, well, we don't know where they come from, do we? For all we know, they have bases on here on Earth for a very long time. You've got undersea base there where you talk about the possibility that there might be one even off the coast out there where you live in California. Yeah, and I think I built a pretty compelling argument for it because some of these cases involve not just a few objects. We're talking hundreds, and they're coming from below. So where are they coming from? That's kind of my question. Like, what is going on here if we have 200 objects coming out of the water here? We certainly touch on some of your other books as well because you've got a number of them. They're all really fun. The last one, we, when you were on the show, we were talking about onboard UFO encounters. And then before that, we were talking about schoolyard UFO encounters. The schoolyard UFO encounters, they were covered quite extensively in James Fox's film, The Phenomenon, which we should ask if you've seen. No, I haven't seen it yet. We're going to see this coming up with Gene Randall and Preston. You're in The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. The stress levels of Americans may be at an all-time high. From education to business to basic needs to politics, the 2020 pandemic-related stressors are pushing many of us to near breaking point. That's why you should consider the stress and pain-relieving products from sunny-bay.com. Like our lavender neck wraps and pads infused with premium Washington lavender buds. They relieve tension and relax with a soothing scent of lavender. And lifestyle expert Jennifer Bonner recommends products from Sunny Bay. Sunny Bay's hands-free neck wrap should be your go-to pain relief solution give gifts to family and friends that relieve stress and pain give love and care by giving the best give pillows neck wraps and body wraps from sunny-bay.com a biomed db design company just click sunny-bay.com that's sunny-bay.com Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. When I was a kid, I wanted to be just like Cal Ripken. It's definitely humbling to know that now people are calling me a hero. Instead of finding the IED with my metal detector, the IED found me first, and that resulted in double above knee amputations. It's hard to describe the feeling of meeting somebody that you've always wanted to be like. There are people now that are looking up to you for their inspiration and to be their role model. Visit saluteheroes.org to learn more. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We have Gene Randall and Preston Dennett joining us. Randall, you had a question of Preston. Right, yeah, just before the break, we were talking about some of Preston's other books, including Onboard UFO Encounters and Schoolyard UFO Encounters, two major cases of which were covered by James Fox's film, The Phenomenon. And I was just asking Preston if he'd seen the movie yet. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. I want to. It's getting really good reviews, I hear. And I know they covered the Rua Zimbabwe case the, at Ariel Elementary School. So I'm excited to see that. And I know there's supposed to be a full-length documentary on that coming out at some point as well. Uh, But I don't think people realize that there's a hundred of these cases, and probably a lot more than that, all over the world. What about young people with their parents at these drive-ins? I imagine it's not just older people. There's probably a number of young people that were involved, too. Do you have any cases uh, that you can talk about where the person involved was still quite young at the time? Yeah, actually, there's quite a few cases in, which seem to involve young witnesses, actually. Often it is families or a couple. Most of these cases do rely on you know just one source, usually a family. Uh, but some of these witnesses were very young. One of my favorite cases occurred on July 17th, 1954, when a young six-year-old boy, six-and-a-half-year-old by the name of Peter, was at this uh, Skyline Drive-In Theater outside of St. Louis, Missouri. A fairly large theater, could hold 600 cars. He's watching the movie with his mom and his brother, when suddenly everyone stops watching the movie because there's this giant glowing red object which appears uh, next to the parking lot. It is very bright. It's casting this eerie red light over the entire parking lot. Everyone's getting out of their cars. No one's panicking or anything, but they're completely awestruck and they're staring at this thing. And it didn't stay very long, just a few minutes. People started running towards it. And that's when this thing took off like a bullet and was gone. Turned out Peter's father worked at the local airport. He saw it too, which was not far away from where they were. He and a bunch of people at the airport were looking at it through binoculars. What's really interesting about this case is this incident had a huge impact on Peter's life. He always believed in UFOs, followed the phenomena very closely, became close friends with some major UFO researchers like Robert Gribble, who started the National UFO Reporting Center. And this is many years later in the 70s, I think, when uh, Robert Gribble says, you know what, I'm going to have to give up the National UFO Reporting Center. I just can't do it anymore. Um, I need to find someone to take over. And this is when Peter said, I'll do it. Peter's last name is Davenport, and Peter Davenport is now the head of the National UFO Reporting Center, the director, and has said that this sighting at the drive-in theater is responsible for him having developed an interest in UFOs and become the director of New Fork. I wonder if the UFOs knew what they were doing, and this was part of their sort of campaign to announce their presence. 
And now, you know, the rest of the story. That is really <laughs> that is a really good story. It was one of my favorite ones in the book when I read that. It was the one I was going to ask you about next. So uh, I, I'm really glad that you brought that one up. So there you go. You have the phenomena, whether it's just a phenomenon, and this is something else we should talk about too, or actual objectively real aliens with some kind of a personality and intelligence that have made a really profound cultural impact on our society just by the way that they expose their presence to this one person. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? It's what I find interesting about these cases is by and large, they're mostly simple sightings. Close encounters of the first kind. There's a small handful that are what we would call close encounters of the second kind, and that it does affect the physical environment in some way. Uh, the screen or the speakers might fuzz up, this sort of thing. Couldn't find anything that I would directly say was abduction. Though there are some cases with weird amnesia problems and memory problems and sort of weird events that point towards that. Ultimately, I decided that these are all close encounters of the fifth kind, uh, human-initiated encounters, because in effect, we are calling them down. These drive-in theaters are a really powerful method to initiate a UFO encounter. So, I'm going to call them CE5s. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, well, (laughs) sort of fair enough, I guess. I mean, you know, Greer kind of co-opted that saying because... Initially, really, that that was built into the Hynek Valley system. But, uh, yeah, yeah right? fair enough. They're drawn to these theaters. It's clear, just judging from case after case and their behavior, that this is what's bringing them down. So, yeah, it's an effective method for sure. And I'm guessing there are going to be more cases because we do have some modern cases. I've got a case from... 2019, 2017, 2015, uh, they're not as great as some of the earlier cases, but we see the same type of behavior. Just to clarify what I was saying there about the, you know, the fifth kind, in the Hynek Valley system, when we're talking about kinds of close encounter experiences, the fifth kind there is the one that includes positive or negative physical changes to the witness. Stephen Greer has become quite popular as a personality in the UFO field. I don't think he was even aware of that when he decided that he was going to introduce (laughs) this, you know, CE5 type of thing and and make it into what you were saying there, Preston, which is where people can interact and communicate with them somehow by, like you're saying, maybe shining lights or calling them down somehow. Yeah, I I don't know if that classification system is... You know, it's, it's sort of losing popularity a little bit. I know it's still used in a lot of titles and things, but... No, oh, certainly. Well, I mean, QFO still uses it. It's, it's classic ufologies. I mean, it's basic ufology coming right up out of, you know, anomalies, flybys, maneuvers, close encounters, first, yeah, but, second, but, third, but, fourth, fifth kinds. But we have sightings that have telepathic communication. How would you rate that? As, is that a that'd CE1? Be, well, that would <laughs> be a CE4, includes interaction. All right. So, yeah, but I mean, you know, you're right. I I think there's been a a real loss of focus or interest on what would be called classical ufology, where people 
tried to catalog this and put it into some kind of objective ordering system so that we could study the phenomena in, in a more orderly and academic way. It, it, a lot of people just go, oh, well, you know, a UFO is, after all, it's just it just means an unidentified flying object, and therefore it could be anything. And it, but that's exactly. never what it's that's never what it's meant. <laughs> it's been a semantic disaster from day one. When I when I talk about UFO, I think I think we should just call them alien craft. Absolutely. Hey, I'm with you. I mean, that's how I think that we ought to define them because I mean, we can go back to the the USAF definition and we can go through that, which is this really long drawn out definition that goes through several different types more to come with gene and randall and preston you're in the paracast thank you for listening to gcn visit gcnlive.com today Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices at the Centers for Disease Control has added its approval to the emergency use authorization for Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine. The CDC committee voted Saturday to recommend the vaccine for use for people 16 years of age or older. Now that the COVID vaccine has received authorization, the task of getting it out to millions of Americans is underway. Speaking at a Saturday press conference, Operation Warp Speed Chief Operating Officer General Gustav Perna says his group's mission still has a long way to go to be completed. So while today we applaud everybody who's been a part of the team, part of the collaboration, part of the success that's brought us here today, we know that we are not done. We are not done until every American has access to the vaccine. To every American that wants it, receives it. This is USA Radio News. President-elect Joe Biden has made his pick to run the Department of Veterans Affairs. Jeremy Scott has more from the USA Radio News Oregon Bureau. Biden has appointed Dennis McDonough as the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. He shares my belief that we have many obligations as a nation. We have only one truly sacred obligation, to prepare and equip our troops that we send into harm's way and then to care for them and their families when they return. McDonough was President Obama's chief of staff from 2013 to 2017. President-elect Biden said he played a key role in improving health care for veterans during the administration. From the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Jeremy Scott. 
and President Trump has added a federal holiday to the calendar this year. The executive order signed Friday makes Christmas Eve, Thursday, December 24th, a federal holiday, giving federal workers a fully paid day off. Traditionally, past presidents have offered federal workers a half day in the past. This is USA Radio News. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. Jerome Clark, author of UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So from cases involving UFOs, drive-in theaters, and other places, Preston Dennett, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, were plotting definitions, right, Randall? Well, yeah, we were just talking about that before the break there, where, you know, if you go back to the, the most sophisticated definition from the U.S. Air Force, which is Air Force AFR-202 from February 5th, 1958, I mean, it just basically what it does is it goes through everything that a UFO is not. So if, if it's if what you're looking at isn't any of these things, then it's a UFO and it. It, it doesn't leave any room for you to conclude that it's anything but something alien. Yeah. So instead of just saying it's an alien craft, they go, well, no, it's not a familiar known object. It's not an unknown aircraft. It's not a missile. It's, you know, it's not lights near an airport. It's not anything that you can identify even after you've studied it for some length of time. It's not meteors, planets, stars. You know what I mean? It just leaves no room for anything else. <laughs> it so, does but, have windows. It's metallic. It leaves yeah. marks, but <laughs> we don't know what it is. But we don't know what it is. <laughs> exactly. Let's call it a UAP. Hey, let's. <laughs> Doesn't that just drive you nuts when you hear that? This whole UAP. I mean, a phenomena is not an object, is it? A phenomena is just who knows exactly what it is. It's nebulous, right? But when yeah. you say, you know, like Stanton Friedman used to say, we're talking about flying saucers. I don't care about the rest is what he'd say. And I think he's right. I think that if we start getting into this whole, well, it's just a phenomena. We don't know what it is. It's unidentified. So it could be anything. I think that's really muddying the water. Yeah. Flying saucer doesn't work either because they're not all saucers. Well, that's uh, true. Uh, uh, UFO uh, is good. Alien craft is the best. I'm with you on that. Totally. Yeah, and I think that's what we are talking about here, honestly. Certainly, though, someone like the Pentagon is not going to say alien craft by saying UAP 
they get away from the stench of UFO, just like UFO got away from the stench of flying saucer. And maybe in a few years, we'll have something else. You know, well, UAP say will be supplanted. Vehicles. They use that term. Yeah, so that's I true. like that. <laughs> you know, that's not fair either when, you know, like Gene, you make a really good point there where you say, well, the stench of. and, and But, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, us ufologists are just as responsible for perpetuating that as the skeptics are because – We've caved into it. We we believe it ourselves now. You know, it's like, oh, my God. This is one of the things I loved about Stanton Friedman is he, he just rejected all of that. He said, like, look, this is an unfair, derogatory type of criticism of a phenomena that deserves to be taken very seriously. And instead of backing down and throwing, you know, the ufologists under the bus and accusing them all of being tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists and say, no, some of them are very serious people who take the subject matter academically and want to learn the truth. I mean, right, guys? Isn't this what we're trying to do here? Yeah, I agree. Calling it a phenomenon or a mystery I think we've got a handle on what these things most likely are and what their agenda is. Uh, People are seeing humanoids. People are seeing metallic craft. They are leaving burn marks. People have physiological reactions, both positive and negative. I think we've got a pretty good handle on what these are. Now, not all researchers agree. You know, Jacques Vallée says probably some of these aren't extraterrestrial. And, you know, I'm not going to disagree with him i think he's probably right but most i'm thinking are what they appear to be vehicles with humanoids or like gene says i mean maybe in some cases there is an objective reality behind it there may be an actual craft somewhere behind it but the technology that they're using might be something that can project out some sort of a image of some kind that we think is a real craft or is something that is really there but isn't really there so they like to fool us they like to trick our senses but either way we're still looking at something that i don't think like david halperin would suggest just comes from our own mental processes like say a collective unconscious that is manifested out into the physical world in some way i mean i I like the idea. I like that way of thinking about it because it makes you think about it. But in a really objective sense about in in terms of the reality of the world, I just don't see that there's any evidence that our minds can just conjure up physical realities that way. Yes, but just think of it this way, Randall. Is it possible then that what we're seeing is so alien to our experience that we unwittingly manipulate what we see to be something more presentable. It doesn't mean necessarily that the force behind the UFOs are doing that, although that could be possible as well, that we're manipulating it. We look at something there and we have no idea what it is, and it's just as if we did this in the Middle Ages and we saw whatever we saw then. Visitors from God, whatever. Now we see flying saucer people and flying saucers from outer space. And maybe 50 or 100 years from now, we'll see the same phenomenon with different eyes. I'm sure we will. Yeah, the Romans called them flying shields. But I think the last 70 years, we're seeing UFOs have not changed that much. The only real kind of era that makes me scratch my head is the 
airship wave of the 1890s, 1900s, Zeppelin-like objects, which don't seem to fit the classic pattern of UFOs. But it did fit what we expected flying craft to be like. Right. So I'm wondering. So therefore, the same way, why not consider that what we see now is what we expect them to be like, not what is really there? Yeah, but that's although we might be closer. If that's true, wouldn't they have changed over the last 70 years? And we're not really seeing that. We do have. But how has our culture changed? In the last 70 years, I don't mean that we can make fancier things. I mean the fundamental expectations of creatures from outer space. Certainly look at the advanced equipment board that spaceship, allegedly, that Barney and Betty Hill visited. You had maps. You had a star map, which appears to be something connected with 1960s technology. So even then, it's quite possible what they saw if it was something other than a government experiment or test of some kind, was manipulated by their expectations or belief structure. I wonder about that because there does seem to be some aspect where there's symbology involved in UFO encounters and they track cultures to a certain extent. There does seem to be a cultural influence. So I definitely wonder about it. I still think the extraterrestrial theory, it's so logical. I mean, we're looking at other stars every indication that there would be life out there. We're finding Earth-like planets. People talk about interdimensional creatures. Perhaps they're interdimensional. Perhaps they're time travelers. Well, that doesn't preclude them from being extraterrestrials. Yeah, they may be able to put on a disguise, to have any appearance that they want. This doesn't Maybe mean- they have no choice. Maybe they do that because we could not accept what they look like. And I'll put that even in a very primitive sense. Imagine some of the horrible creatures we saw like it came from outer space. Look at the Monster on the Loose series from the 1950s. Now imagine there is a race of beings that look like that. Or this silicon creature, the Horta, in one of the Star Trek episodes. Now imagine if those things were lumbering about. They'd frighten us. They don't want to frighten the populace. So they manifest themselves in ways that we can accept. So, yeah, maybe we're not seeing what's really there, or maybe we can't see what's really there because they're coming here in a way that makes them basically invisible to us. But then I'm just using the example from Contact where the alien creatures, so to speak, appeared as the late father of the protagonist in the movie because that's the way she could accept his appearance or its appearance. Accept this for Gene Randall and Preston, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. 
We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR. DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses. Your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Marie D. Jones, the author of this book is from the future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, by the way, Preston will be back. 
on After the Paracast, part of your Paracast Plus subscription. For more information and to subscribe in seconds, go to the Paracast.plus, the Paracast.plus. So I posed the question about how UFOs appear, and maybe it's either we can't accept them any other way or they deliberately tailor their look, their actions to the way we expect them to look. Preston? Yeah, I, we can't rule anything out, can we? What I find very interesting about ETs and people's descriptions of them is that they are pretty much universally humanoid. Even when you're talking about robotic type beings, people describe a humanoid shape. And in terms of humanoids, the large eyes are very common. Bald head is extremely common. There are certain details which just crop up again and again. But if this is a phenomenon that culturally tracks people, why is it that people who are widely separated and know nothing about each other and aren't exposed to the UFO phenomena, they're not readers, they don't you know, know about grades so much, uh, certainly back in the day it was much less popular, but they're describing very similar things. People describe the interiors of UFOs in very similar ways, and uh, I still get these goosebumps sometimes when people describe rare details that I don't think are super well-known. I'm like, wow, this points towards this being an objectively real phenomenon that is exactly what it appears to be. At least in some cases. I mean, what we were talking about before the break about them, you know, maybe not necessarily being what they appear to be, but still being something alien, an alien intelligence of some kind behind it, I think is highly possible. One of the sci-fi representations of this idea that we we missed talking about is um, Childhood's End. Now, they did a, a mini-series about that not too long ago, and this is very much along those same lines. In the case of Childhood's End, without giving away too much of the story, what you have are these very intelligent, highly powerful aliens that do come down and make their presence known through their technology and their ships. But it takes them some time to reveal themselves because, as Gene, you were saying, their belief is that we wouldn't be able to accept them in their form. And, of course, eventually you do see that they are revealed and we understand why. So look at the various people, for example, out there who think that aliens could be transports from hell. Now, what if it turned out to be actually something like that? Yeah. Well, in my book, Onboard Experiences, most of them believe it's extraterrestrial. One guy's convinced they're demonic. Another guy's convinced they're angels. And another guy's convinced he's more of the Jacques Vallée, Lauren Coleman camp, that this is an intelligence that has the ability to wear different masks. Uh, well, you know, there are people, as you say, who believe that UFOs must be demonic. In fact, my... Late uncle, Louis Kaplan, my wife's uncle, was part of a religious sect of Jews for Jesus, and their perception of UFOs was entirely demonic. Oh, really? What, I mean, in what way, Gene? They were the spawn of the devil. They'd and like to get rid of them, you hell? had to cite some kind of Lord's Prayer. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you could throw, you know, holy water on them and they would dissolve or, or <laughs> <laughs> hey, possibly I, something I like to that. Yes. The books on demonology because of this. Yeah. Well, a substantial portion of the population believes this. So I wondered about it and I started looking into it and bad ghosts and poltergeists and demons, which does appear to be a real phenomena. But as far as I can tell, it's separate. 
you want to outline a demonic haunting, it follows a very set pattern, very much like a UFO encounter follows a pretty set pattern. Being taken on board, physically examined, you're given messages, you're let go. Demonic haunting has a completely different pattern. It starts with sort of knockings and cold spots and objects disappearing, and then moves up to oppression, where picks on one witness, usually in the house, and haunts them with apparitions and uh, nightmares and all kinds of stuff, and ultimately leads to possession. It's a destructive phenomena that really wreaks havoc on people's lives. And can happen if you use the Ouija board or mess around with occult subjects. I think it's a real phenomenon, but I don't think it's the same thing. We've got kind of all the same kind or types of of phenomena being involved in it. In other words, we've got the levitation of objects. So we've got some sort of anti-gravity. We've got some sort of ability for them to morph in and out of what seemed to be our reality. So, you know, that's like some kind of cloaking or some way to be able to move through walls, that kind of ability to know what people are thinking and to manipulate them with their mind. There's there's the telepathic aspect of it. And so all you need to do is just turn the dial a little bit on the, the various aspects of the alien encounter and it becomes like a demonic visitation. There's really practically no difference at all, except for, like you say, this. I think these differences are very subtle, and they're subtle enough that maybe, well, maybe we are dealing with the same phenomenon, but it's just manifesting itself in a slightly different way. I don't know. I think the similarities are subtle. I think they're really vastly different, ultimately. Yeah, there's a weird bleed through. I had one case of a haunting I was investigating here in Van Nuys in Southern California, well, you see, that's the interesting issue here. It's Van Nuys, California. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Now, by the way, all the listeners from Van Nuys, California will come and demonstrate against the show. <laughs> uh, well, they were having a terrible time in this apartment 15 on Kester Avenue in Van Nuys. Ghosts. Finally, they just left the apartment because one of them had, was nearly possessed. They couldn't invite friends over because apparitions would appear. It was just a very scary situation for them. So they move out and it was like a week later that a very close up UFO sighting over their new apartment. I could believe that because in virtually every other paranormal investigator we've interviewed this year, and I've been asking this question fairly consistently, they have all, except for maybe one who hadn't really thought much about it, but then when they did kind of thought, hmm, yeah, that seems to make sense. There's been a very high correlation between places where there have been hauntings and ufo sightings yeah there's a connection definitely there was one case i i investigated where a guy had a ufo land in his backyard um it appeared to land this is in canyon country california fairly rural area where he lived next night bigfoot shows up following that he had a huge poltergeist outbreak in his home Let's uh, just cover a few more of your books. You've got one called UFOs Over New York, and I don't think we've talked to you about that one. So tell us just very briefly about that and where people can find you and what you're doing in the near future. All right. Yeah, UFOs Over New York was one of a series I did on various states uh, because I thought it was important to sort of historically record these encounters. New York's most famous encounter is, I think, the New York blackout. A lot of UFOs related with that. I'm on to, let's see, book number 28 now. 
Got two more planned for next year. I'm keeping busy. Where do we find more of your stuff? Got a website. If you Google my name, it'll take you right there. PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. Books are also available on Amazon. Got a new YouTube channel. I'm putting out videos on some of my research. Yeah, I'm not giving up. Not until I see the Roswell Craft in a museum. You can find us on Twitter if you look for The Powercast. On Facebook, look for The Powercast and find two places for us. And maybe one day we'll figure out how to merge one with the other without destroying it. But, of course, now that Facebook's being sued by everybody on the planet, we'll have to see how that works out. We also have branded merchandise. If you like the PowerCast, you're going to like the stuff we offer, T-shirts and throw pillows and good stuff. Go to thepowercast.shop, thepowercast.shop. Preston Dennett will return on After the PowerCast, which is part of our PowerCast Plus package. We give you a version of this show also, free of the network ads. All of this price is starting at just $1.50 a month. The sale prices are remaining in effect for the time being. And if you subscribe for five years or lifetime, we give you a coupon code for a free download for the James Fox UFO documentary, The Phenomenon. Okay? With three hours of extra material. How about that? To learn more and to sign up to the Paracast Plus, go to the Paracast.plus. Once again, the Paracast.plus. Preston Dennett, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.